0: From MAG, Mothers Against Aliens and Ghosts. I'm coming to you live from my living room. God awful, crown molding and all. I keep meaning to tear all this down, but you ladies know how it is. Especially now that MAG membership is up. Thanks to everyone who supported our group garage sale at the old Kent Estate. Talk about a haunted house, right? Speaking of, I've been getting lots of questions about Harding Park lately, of course. Everybody wants to know about that old cult and its leader, Richard, or as I like to call him, Dick. Ha! Folks have always been curious about his order of the unfogged, you know, and I just thought, Miss Middleton, you get off that counter right now. Oh, these cats, I swear, they just don't listen. Sophie, did you feed Kit Middleton? Sophie. Oh, Sophie's gone. I forgot. You know she used to be such a homebody. I never thought I'd miss the days when she locked herself in her room watching hentai or whatever they call those Japanese cartoons. But she's got a little girlfriend now, so I guess she can't hang around here all day. Sophie wouldn't like it if she knew I was talking about a friend. It's Madison. Just so you know. Poor girl got attacked in the park last month. I went to her first court thing just to see if I could sense any paranormal energy. But looks like that guy was just another old pervert. Typical. If he tried to go for my Sophie, I'll tell you one thing. He would have made it to prison. No how, no way. Those two girls sure do look strange together, though. Madison and Sophie. It's not because of the whole gay thing. I'm just as with the times as Denise and her son, the amazing metrosexual ballerina, thank you very much. I just never thought Sophie'd go for someone so... pink. She's always complaining about girly stuff, even when I bought her that adorable Ouija board for camp. And Madison is just the prettiest little ringleader. I can't imagine what they talk about. Well, at least Sophie feels included. I took away the Ouija board, by the way, with my recent experiences. It just doesn't feel right to let Sophie play around with it. We're just lucky nothing happened already. I hate to think of it outside my expert hands. But we're talking about Dick. Oh, he was an asshole, if you don't mind me saying. God, I love an empty house. Asshole! <laughs> Don't love my language, Mrs. Middleton. Anyway, Richard started off as a preacher in one of those new agey kumbaya places where the Bible matters as much as the rhythm in your soul. I think he was Episcopal, something like that. Either way, he was real popular. His congregation swelled up like my gutters in rainy season until all the muck and slime inside oozed out over the edges just couldn't keep his crazy in. He started talking demons and his own divine responsibility to overcome them. America was being tortured and the people had to listen to him if we were going to make it through. He got to sound like those Trump guys, to be honest. All hysteria, all the time. (laughs) His church threw him out on his behind. But some people still followed him. And they made up the so-called Order of the Unfogged, named for their clear minds, I guess. They were all about some ancient demon. I don't remember what they called her. Something long and Latiny, i I'm sure. She was his big, bad wolf, looming over things. And, of course, Dick painted himself as the hero of the story. Isn't that just like a man? He says there's some evil lady energy sucking up all our morality and everyone runs to help him kill it. Of course, everybody talks about his sad childhood. When it first happened, the news kept going on and on about his cop father and some incident with his nightstick, but that's all crap. I'd be the last person to raise a fist to my kid, but no amount of walloping is enough to excuse a cold-blooded killer. If everyone with a crappy childhood led a cult... There'd be nobody left to follow them. Richard did the usual stuff. talk to the dead, channeled God, all that. He claimed to be a psychic, which just drives me wild. I hate all these fake seerers. (coughs) Denise. (coughs) Once you know what it's really like, you just can't listen to the crazies. Then again... I never understood why anybody would join his cuckoo cult. It wasn't even one of the fun ones. You know, the ones with all the LSDs and ORGs. Don't tell my daughter, but there was a time when I saw the appeal of all that free love and stuff. Or at least the version I saw in old movies. But Richard wasn't interested in earthly anything. He moved his followers into Harding Park, where they built a crappy little shed to live in. He said it was so they could observe the so-called demon. But I'm betting he just wanted to save on rent. They all slept on the floor in sleeping bags. They wore whatever they came there in. Mostly jeans. Real dirty. They looked just awful. But there wasn't much bad going on. At least not until the end. At least he never beat anybody or let his dick run their lives. Instead... They were spending all their time getting ready for the big showdown. It was a big ritual, and there were all sorts of restrictions. You had to have a full stomach, so they saved food for weeks just to eat it on the day. No taking a crap or washing your clothes. All of them were wearing denim on denim. But I don't know if that was a rule or just a bad style choice. There's a whole bunch of these tapes of Richard preaching about it hours and hours of audio but I've never been able to stomach it the details don't matter he was talking out his behind anyway telling them about sacrifice power to power stuff like that crap you know the kind the night it happened it was cold as my steering wheel in December people all over the city felt it the weatherman at the time Mr. Flowers Oh, he was a bit of a hunk, you know. I always made a point to watch him. I remember he was talking about the fog. A whole city's worth of fog. Like a fleece blanket over our neighborhood's little couch. My mom wouldn't let us go outside. Said the traffic was too terrible. Cars would speed right over us. Of course, that was back in my day when preteens liked to play outside. That shed must have been near invisible that night like a spider in a cereal box. There was no electricity in the building, no candles found nearby, just the fog and the people. 17 innocents settling onto the ground for the last time. When the cops found them, they were sitting neatly against the walls, their bodies an even uglier brand of wood paneling. Their backs were straight. They sat on top of their sleeping bags and their legs pointed toward the center of the room, their feet bare under their bulky jeans. When I first heard, I figured they'd all been high as kites. Some thought it'd be poison. That's what all the Cocoa Puffs use, right? I remember listening to the news on the little TV by the kitchen table and staring down at my glass of Kool-Aid, shocked and awed. When Mr. Flower's section came on, he looked white as, well, a ghost, I guess. But by the time they tested the bodies, the talk screens came up clear. They hadn't taken anything, at least not anything that the cops could find. Each of the members had a single, identical wound. It was right between the eyes, holes as deep as the ones I drilled into Sophie's treehouse. house folks said it was the neatest shot they'd ever seen but nobody ever found a bullet and there was no trace of any blood the dirt floors were clean as they could be well swept and even but somebody killed somebody here somehow the holes had crusted over already like scabs skin hard and flaky like the scales of a garden snake the skulls were cracked no exit wound to match. If you look at those crime scene photos long enough, you get caught in them. The wounds tug you in, turn 3D as an old baseball card. They start to look like the rings on a tree, uneven and aged. was nowhere to be found. Oh, it makes my blood boil. Police wasted hours looking for him, speculating about the murder weapon and missing evidence. I may not be the crispest card in the tarot deck, but one thing I know is that no human weapon does harm like that. Don't get me wrong. People fuck each other up all the time. I've known girls who got their guts shot out by their husbands and friends who beat the crap out of each other after a few drinks. But this? This was either God or something trying real hard to be like him. Those people weren't just killed. They were hollowed out like jack-o'-lanterns. I got the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. If you know me, you know my theory. Richard wasn't trying to banish any demon. He was trying to birth one. He chose Harding for its history and the quiet. The same reason everyone from drug dealers to serial killers ends up there sometime. He went to Harding and he organized a sacrifice. Power for power. Whatever it was he was saying. Their lives for his death. Not worth it. You know, whoa, whoa, Kit Middleton. What's on your paws, you naughty girl? You come here. Overkill is written and directed by Leah Hagen. The voice of Helen is me, Rebecca Rivera. And sound is by Juan Giordano. In episode 6, Madison begins to learn about magic. In the meantime, check out at Gal Pals Present on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr. Or consider supporting us on Patreon. We really appreciate it.